win. Risking hair and skin, get where behind the never mind will fight and fight and win forever, Tiger Land. We never wait until the final siren's gone, like the tiger of old. Oh, I just thought I had to play that for you guys. For some of you that maybe didn't realise the Tigers did win the Premiership on Saturday night. And uh, what a fantastic weekend it was. Seeing Tigers winning on Saturday night, Storm winning on the Sunday. Uh, didn't quite top it off with the news that we got from Dan initially speaking on Sunday about uh, the pandemic and where we're at with being isolated, but certainly made up for that in the next couple of days with the good news being that it looks like we're playing some cricket in the next couple of weeks. And of course, 12 o'clock tonight being when we lose a lot of those restrictions and all of a sudden we can start to train, we can start to prepare. And I mean, that's just fantastic news for us, for the club, for everyone really. And I trust that people, once a lot of those restrictions are are lifted that, you know, we're still smart about the way that we're doing things out there because we don't want to fall back into the situation that we had been in before. So what have we got on the show? Okay, podcast this week. We kind of changed our scenery a little bit uh, with a few of our interviews and went down to the nets and had a chat with a few people. So we're going to be talking with the assistant coach, Bert Vandenhoevel, as per usual about what's coming up with the season. Also got the chance to speak to young Liam uh, Joyce, who is a young player, fast runner, fast bowler, a handy little under 11 and under 13 cricketer. Uh, we're chatting with Max Howell today and um, putting him under the pump as far as where he's been with his cricket. And of course, answering those very in-depth, crucial questions about players at the club. And also we spoke with and will be speaking with DK today and talking about what's coming up as far as social functions, apparel, uh, memberships, the Coterie Group, and just quite a few things. Other than that, we've got the usuals. We've got the, the Coach's Insight where we'll have a chat about a few things tonight. We're going to be talking about a balanced batting stance tonight. So just a quick one about that and the importance of that. And how that changes from, say, batting on turf to batting on hard wickets, which sometimes can be a little bit confusing for players that maybe switch between uh, those two platforms. We're also going to be talking uh, our dad's jokes. Dad's jokes will be coming up. That's a certainty. That's always in the show. And also we'll have our riddle, riddle me this. So for the most part, that's where we're at this week. Hope you can listen to everything that we've got for today. Looking forward to having a chat with everyone. How you going, mate? Good to have you back this week. Um little bit of change of scenery for the podcast this week, obviously, that um, we're just sitting in the car at the Nets, and it's raining, so it's a fantastic start to the season. Good news about being able to play cricket um, sooner rather than later, or in fact, not at all. Yeah, start looks like it's going to happen. Uh, the GDCA have announced that the senior men's competition starting on Saturday the 21st of November 
which uh, still gives us a, a, f- a few weeks to prepare for the season. Hopefully everyone can get uh, a reasonable hit in between now and then. Of course, in line with some of the restrictions that will definitely change the way we'll approach training this year. Yeah, so bro, I've gone over training. I've gone over training over the last couple of weeks, and I'll, I'll, I'll just reiterate uh, with regards to how training is going to look this year. Is that probably one of my goals last year was that this year was going to be predominantly uh, centre wicket practice. I'm I'm now I'm now moving us towards it being constantly centre wicket practice, and that in fact we'll use the nets really just for one to one work, where guys need probably a little bit of more intimate coaching, um, and and just, well really just for that reason we we have the facilities to have three teams training all at once, and so we need to use those. So so centre wicket practice will be will be the be-all and end-all of our training this year, um, every week, uh, Tuesday and Thursday. So that's where we're at. And, of course, everyone's going to have to make allowances for these new rules about training, um, i.e. there'll be some requirement to either sign in or sign out when you, when you arrive and which group you go to that will be communicated to the playing group uh, in the very near future. Um, and I hope we can get that all better down. Everybody is required to read through these instructions to make sure we're complying with the relevant restrictions. Um, they'll, they'll certainly be in place for the first half of the year, and hopefully they ease off a bit by the uh, time we get back after Christmas. So, yeah, so at this stage we'll be allowed to have 10 players training uh, in the centre wicket area, which will mean that probably just off the top of my head, that'll give us more than likely two bowlers, two batsmen and six fielders. One of those being the keeper, obviously. We're still going to, there's still going to, there's going to be a fair amount of work to be done during these centre wicket practices. Certainly players should be preparing themselves for coming off the ground every Tuesday and Thursday night, having really felt like they've done a, a decent training session. Probably the other thing that, that I really do need to, to point out in terms of centre wicket practice this year is that uh, in all the time of playing cricket, and Bert, you, I'm, I'm certain that you would understand this as well, is that centre wicket practice notoriously becomes the training session that guys can uh, step to the side and not really do as much as what they need to, and so then it becomes a little bit wasted. Centre wicket practice this year is going to be... Uh, very much, uh, if you are a bowler, a required bowler in any particular side, that you are going to have to bowl a fair bit in the middle. Um, and the batsman obviously will rotate the batsman so that all batsmen get a bat. But we are not, we're not this year going to be having a situation um, where, or the, the, desired, the desired outcome of our of our centre wicket practice is that bowlers will bowl and that, and that if you're a bowler, you will bowl as opposed to in previous years where centre wicket practices ended up being, well, basically anyone that we could get and bowlers all of a sudden saying, oh, well, I need to have a bit of a rest after 10 minutes. So that's not going to be the case this year. It's going to be full on training. Um, and because of the restrictions, it means that in the field, you're going to have a little bit of running around to do. And from your own personal point of view, it's very much of a case of you'll get out of it what you put into it. Mm. Um, we're, we're working with a senior group here. We're not working with a bunch of kids. We expect people to take some responsibility for what 
uh, they want to achieve at training. I, I mean, as a club, we're pretty bullish about what we expect to achieve this year, but none of that's going to happen without hard work. And that will start by focusing on what skills you need to improve on or consolidate during these centre wicket training practice games, if you will. Uh, the the I suppose the aim the aim of the centre wicket practice is to from from my standpoint is for us to have our batsmen not feeling as though the centre wicket is a foreign place when they go out to bat on a Saturday. Um, it very much can it, it can easily turn into that when you consider that if the only time that you actually bat in the middle is on a Saturday, then then apart from the fact that after three or four games, it's your home ground and you might be used to that. But in those three or four games, if you've managed to get yourself out fairly cheaply, that, that you going out to bat on your home ground pretty much, to some extent, makes it an away game just as much as it is for the away team. And we do all understand that sometimes that can be... That can be a barrier as far as getting in. So that's that's probably my main aim of this year is for our batsmen to really feel as though, right, like when I go out to bat in the middle on a Saturday, this feels normal. I feel comfortable because I was here two days ago. I was here on Tuesday. I, I was batting here last Saturday. And so the regularity of that experience then allows for you to feel comfortable as a batsman. You'll go out there and you'll bat. You'll bat a lot more comfortably. Um, and then the same for the bowlers. Uh, bowling in the nets is completely different to bowling out in the middle. Completely different. And we we do need to, whilst we, we have a strong bowling unit at the club, um, it's about, you know, with one day cricket, you don't you don't get that chance to kind of get in for six overs and then come back for your, another spell of five or six and get it right. It's a, it's a case of that you've got to get it right early. Because teams, I've got no doubt, my prediction is that teams are going to come out and say, well, it looks like we're playing quite a few games, so let's test the waters. You know, Be prepared to maybe drop a couple of games in trying to get our game plan, which is to be more aggressive, more attacking against other sides. And definitely that's going to be one of the things that I'm going to be pushing with our club this year. Be prepared to be a little bit more aggressive. Take on the bowlers. Um, you're going to get that chance. And again... Uh, Andrew, from an organisational point of view, we have a committee meeting this coming Thursday. Our training schedule will be announced shortly after that. All going well. We're back and we're training. Um, again, any players, you, you have contact with myself and with Bert via Slack. If you have anything that, if you have any um, questions that you might have about training this year, by all means, get those to us. Thanks for coming on, Bert. No problem. Hope to see everyone at training shortly. Good stuff. Okay, and as I said, each week we're going to try and get a junior player onto the podcast, and this week we've got Liam Joyce. Liam, how you going, mate? Good. Good. How are you? Good. Uh, you're also, as I said before, we've got a change of scenery this week with the podcast or part thereof. Uh, we're actually down at the nets and we're in the rain, but Liam Liam was down here having a bit of a bat and I saw him doing that and he was doing all right. So, Liam, you are, you're actually um, able to play under 11 still, but likelihood for the games that you'll play this year, you'll play under 13s, yeah? Yeah. Yep. 
And what do you see yourself as, mate? Are you a, what are you, more of a bowler or batsman or all-rounder? More of a batter. More of a batter. Yeah. Um, Take it from me, this kid can bowl. He's got a mean little outswinger and can bowl a a fairly quickish ball. So he's a good little bowler. Um, Liam, you've played at the club a couple of years now. Your dad's connected with the club um, pretty much as a senior player as well. Is there somebody in the, as a senior player that is... Someone that you like seeing as a player when you've been down here with senior training or anything like that? Uh, yeah, mostly my dad. Yeah? Yeah. I come here sometimes, watch everyone play. Handy batsman. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good batsman, you are, old man. Just whacks everywhere. Yeah, he does. He just like he just tries to slap it everywhere. Yeah. Seriously, he's a little bit of West Indian about him. Um, mate. The other thing I wanted to talk about, because I think this is really important for kids to understand, is the fact that you are very heavily into your athletics, aren't you? Yeah. So what is your main event that you do in athletics? Uh, Probably the 100 metres. 100 metres. And what would be the time you're running at the moment in 100? What's your PB? Uh, Like 14, 13. 14, 13. So currently the world record is 9.2. Six nine, I think, or something like that. So Liam at the moment is running fourteen point one three seconds for hundred meters, which I don't mind saying is, I reckon, is a lot faster than I was ever able to run, not being a sprinter. How do you think, Liam, that being a sprinter like you are maybe helps you with your cricket? What part of your cricket do you think it might help you with? Uh, maybe the fielding. Yep. Because like. If someone hits a, say, he whack, he she, he or she whacks it, and like, no one's out there, I can just like sprint to it, and get it. I'd say also the other thing that it really does help you with is your bowling and being able to be strong in the way that you run into the crease. Which I've, that's what I've just said about you. You are a good bowler, and I can see your good strong bowling tech uh, or sprint technique in your bowling. So certainly I'd say to kids out there that, um, that, you know, doing some sprint practice is really, really important. Liam is probably a perfect example of where sprint training and being a sprinter can certainly help you with your bowling. Um, is there anything you're looking forward to with your cricket this year, Liam? Um, maybe just, maybe scoring more because in under 11s you don't really score. Maybe just, yeah, see who wins and See you losers, because if you lose, you can learn from it. Certainly. That's a really good point um, that we do. We learn from our failures. We really do. We learn a lot more from our failures. So it's okay to lose, all right? It's okay, and it's the way that we react to that and yeah. what we learn from that, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Liam, I thank you for coming on, mate. It's been fantastic. I hope that everything goes really well with your athletics. I know from speaking to your dad that, You've got some really big challenges this year with your athletics and stepping up to, um, you know, state championship athletics, which I know from experiences is a big step. So I wish you all the best with that, mate, and have fun with that and certainly hope to see you down here with cricket a lot. Thank you. Cheers, mate. As I said, every week also too, we like to speak to um, one of our senior players. Um, so lucky enough to have Maxie Howell 
on the line tonight, who, who's also kind of part-time is our uh, chief player recruiter as well. I heard that uh, Richmond, maybe Magpies, geez, you, maybe the Magpies might want to hire you for their recruiting because they're not doing too well of it. Or then again, maybe they're just not doing well at trying to get rid of their players at the moment. But we welcome Maxi. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Pizza. Not a problem, mate. Um, I want to start off by going back a couple of years with you, Maxi, to a point where you first came into senior cricket. You'd just come out of under-17s. Uh, you were a bowler, but you were like a medium-pace bowler as such. And and then just one night at training, suddenly um, captain of the twos, Bert van den Heuvel, just suddenly said, hey, Max, how about we try bowl and spin? Take me through what happened. So uh, the year before I transitioned, I really struggled to really overcome finding the lengths I used to bowl as a junior. I much bowled medium in-swingers, you know, just going through the motions, more of like a Heath O'Donovan pace, so not very fast. Um, and then I think it was before the Jan Juck week, Bert came up to me and asked, because I started to bowl just for, just for a piss take with the boys, and then um, Bert asked me if I could bowl spin, so I gave it a crack, tried Jan Juck, paid off all right. And I just really try to work on it, get some advice off some guys and um, get help from yourself and others about the floor of the ball. Because I was getting good drift of it and it just started to work. And then I ended up having a pretty good season that first year and never looked back from there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I reckon one of your first or second game of playing in the twos, bowling spin, I think you took. You would have taken four or five or six wickets. So I my first game of C grade, which was a big... Like a big experience for me under Bert at Wood End. I took my first full far as an off spinner. Yep. And and probably one of the things that I like about your spin bowling is that that and and the way that it's evolved too the last couple of years has been probably to start off with you were you were that type of spin bowler that was excellent in a one day or a twenty twenty. And somebody certainly then in the last couple of well certainly last season I was heavily reliant on to be able to bring on at the end of an innings if we really need to close down someone. Um, I think what you've developed over the last couple of years is the ability then to bring that slower ball, the ball that you probably put a little bit of air into, that that has brought just another factor into your bowling. Uh, it's bringing slips into play. It's bringing uh, um, stumpings into play. And I think that that's been the next step that you've taken now. I know last year we had a little bit of a chat and we worked on two your run up. So yep. we made a change there and what, what was the how what did we do there? What what did we work on there? So with me and you we decided to I thought it was best for me to start really mm-hmm. straight and really slow myself down at the top of the crease and really just build up a little run up, just six or seven steps or so and really high release, but having my run up really straight and I probably think myself more as a like you said, like a 2021 day bowl, more of an economical than a wicket taker. And then I feel like I've got the ability to go around and over when it's needed to, to try and tie down a batsman. Yeah. No, but it's come, it's, it's worked so well. It's worked so well. And, and just your variation that you've got, um, not, I wouldn't say that there. I wouldn't say that you have like far extremes of variation in your bowling, but I think what you've got is you've got enough that you keep the batsman guessing, and I think that that's the most powerful weapon for you as a bowler. Batting wise, mate, 
Uh, we go back again, not last season, but the season before. We're playing against Riddle. We suddenly just decide, you know what, what the hell. Maxi go in at number, I think he went in at number five. And oh, it was like it was like we just released a, you know, a, a crazed hog. <laughs> um, chasing through the forest, Maxie's just decided he's going to hit bowlers um, anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> what, what kind of like, because there's a lot of blokes that would love to be able to just simply go out there and do that. So um, what are you, what goes through your mind when you go out and, you know, what's, I suppose, your mindset that allows you to do that? When is your mindset in a place where you say, you know what, I can do this? I feel like... I've, I'm a very nervous batsman, so when I, before in innings, I get really nervous, and most people have probably seen that. But I feel like once we're either in a struggling position or a very good position, I can adapt to the, the situation again. So if we're doing really well, I think Georgie and yourself were coming off a ton, or you were very close to, and I just felt like it was a time to not go stupid really early, but try and hit much like a lot of gaps and put good bowls under pressure because they some I think they had quite a few pretty good bowls and then Alex Bond himself I thought was probably the most improved of that year. I love watching Bondy bat when he's on. He's probably coming off I think two or three fifties in a row that year. And it's good fun batting with Bondy but what he him doing well gives myself and others confidence at the other end and I just decided to join along with him. And probably I think we put on seventy or eighty together which was good fun but my role last three, four years has probably been that six to eight role coming in pretty late or really early. If we're doing <laughs> if we're going in really early, I'm, I think we're struggling and I'm going to struggle. But I think my role hopefully can change here and there and help out the team as much as I can. No, mate, there's no doubt that your batting's been your batting's been something that you've just been able to add add to probably what is already a good kit that you have for playing good cricket. And, and hopefully this year, you know, I know that you've, you've had a lot of good preparation. Unfortunately, you couldn't play the winter cricket this year as much as you, you have. And I know that that's been a big part of your cricket, but certainly I feel as though a lot of players are well prepared this year. So, so that's fantastic. Comes to the time, mate, we have, when we have our senior players on, we like to ask them a few more in-depth questions, you know, probably we, this is the serious part of the interview where we're getting down to the to the nuts and bolts of cricket. These are the things that, that people want to know about. So the first question I'm going to ask you is rather in-depth. Um, who is the biggest cereal pest at the club? Oh, oh cereal pest. I love him a lot. And all respect to him, but I'm going to go with David McDonald on this one. <laughs> oh, Dave. As I, as I refer to him, simply, Sir David, uh, why? 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 Why, <laughs> Sir David? Why is Sir David the biggest cereal pest? Sir David himself is a very good, I think he's that one player we're lucky to have around like a core group yes. as a vibe kind yes. of thing. Yes, but just reminding you, you've just called him a serial pest. He's right? a serial pest, yes. He's a very annoying in a good way. <laughs> yes. But I would not change one thing in the world and not having him around the group. He's very good to have around the group. He cheers everyone up when yep. he's needed. Yep. But he does pester people. He does pester people, does he? Yep. Yeah. Look, I haven't experienced it myself. 
I find him to be a quite pleasant gentleman. That's why I call him sedated. <laughs> but anyway, Dave, like I'm still with you, mate. And if I had to interview myself, I probably don't have you there quite. You have your moments, but I don't have you there. So, uh, all right. If you could be, if you could be <clears throat> any person at the club in the way that they play cricket, you love the way they play cricket, and you could be that person, who would you be? A lot of people said Pizarro. Oh, <laughs> not enough. Um, my favourite player to watch when he's going, fielding, bowling and batting. I think technique-wise, the way he bats, and I honestly think he's probably the best left-hand technique we've got at the club. I'd probably have to say Paul McGarry. Yeah, he's a good He's a good player. He's a good player. And and hopefully, we just saw him kicking the footy out here before. And I'm not sure where he was kicking a football because there's a game he just should never play. <laughs> but um, but certainly he is. And, and with his spin bowling as well. Yeah. He's pretty good. So When he's going. Mate, except for you. You can't name yourself on this one. Um, if... Yeah, so who do you believe is the best, apart from yourself, who is the best batsman at the club? Give me some good questions. No, pre- no pressure, no pressure. From sitting, what I've seen and no what I've heard at the moment. With the coach. In the co- <laughs> so performance-wise, I'll probably go yourself. Okay, thanks, mate. But technique-wise oh. at the moment, I heard that Tristan White is the best-looking batsman at the club. Jesus. He's not the best looking, but he might be a good batsman, though. <laughs> yeah. right. Okay, he's got that going. I'm based right. off technique. Fair yeah. call. Fair call. I, I, I can't disagree with that. I've seen Tristan come up through the ranks. I've seen him play thirds and fourth 11 at North Melbourne as well. He's a handy little batsman. So, yep, I can't disagree with that. Uh, apart from yourself, Maxie, last question. Apart from yourself, who is the best bowler at the club? Oh, Pizza. There's... I like saying, to say in about Pizza? 10 years. <laughs> you're saying Pizza or you're just, yeah. Oh, you're definitely thinking. up there, 100%. Oh, okay. oh, that's nice. If you're not the best. Yep. Um, In about 10 years, I'd like this question again because there'd probably be a lot of juniors I could probably pick yeah, from that cool. are going to be mature age and absolutely firing. Yep. Based on reliability, I'm going to have to go John Lane. John Lane, oh, God. That's just opened Pandora's box for the for, for the next six episodes. <laughs> All right, look, I, I I I'd have to say, you know, like Johnny Johnny is a good bowler. He's a damn good bowler, and he's he's the type of bowler that when he was playing in the ones, it's certainly someone that I I could rely on so much to be able to just come out and do a job. He understands the game completely. He's an extremely good cricketer, and certainly is an asset um, asset at the club. So, I, look. All right. All I think right, I might have to, hang on. I think I'm going to have to change the question though in future. <laughs> Best all rounder. Best all rounder. Oh, you want to I'll, add? You I'll give add. you that one. I'll say Andrew Bazaar would be Best the best all rounder at the club at the moment. Right. Fair call. Fair call. I can't argue. I'm not going to argue <laughs> that point. I'm probably going to change the questions next week. So next week, be prepared. I'm just going to change the question. So apart from yourself and me, the coach, who is the best bowler? <laughs> apart from me the coach, and yourself, who is the best batsman. And I think we've got five questions now. I was battling for five questions. Now we've got it. Apart from me, the coach, and yourself, 
who is the best all-rounder. That's fantastic. Maxie, thanks for coming on, mate. Thanks for having um, me again. Look, hopefully, fingers crossed, we're playing cricket in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Looking forward to playing with you, mate, and, and um, hearing you come out with some ridiculous comments that you love to say at the opposition. <laughs> I hope that you've done some research and you've got some good comments this year. Uh, um, but that's okay, mate. You enjoy your cricket. We love having you around. You're, you are an important part of the club. You're an important part of the first 11, mate. So Thanks for having me again, Pizza. Not a problem, mate. Have Talk a good to one. you later. Time for a bit of coach's insight. And one of the subjects that I've been wanting to speak about is uh, balance as a batsman and the importance of that balanced stance in presenting to the bowler, but also to in preparing to play a shot. One of the most important things about being a, being a good batsman is about that balanced stance and making sure foot position, head position, all aligned so that at the point at which we are looking to strike the ball or play the shot, that we're making sure that we are in the most balanced position that we can be in. If we're not balanced, then as per usual, we find ourselves either falling over, falling backwards, falling forwards as we attempt to play the shot. Most of the time, batsmen will find themselves falling over the ball, which means that the line of the, 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 line of the delivery is in fact um, not in line with well, we kind of say the nose. So we play, it's almost like saying you play you play the ball as a batsman with your nose. So if you can keep that ball directly below your nose, then it's at the centre of your eye line, which means that you've got a greater chance of being able to determine the best shot to play, but also being able to put full bat on the ball. That starts with our stance. Now, some players will say that they like to have a closed stance, a closed stance is basically where the toes, if you were to draw a straight line um, from the toes back to the stumps, that it would make it would make the letter T. The stumps being the top part of that letter T. Other batsmen like myself, I prefer to have an, a more open stance without my feet being too wide apart. I feel as though I need to be really, really comfortable. If you're not comfortable as a batsman in the way that you're standing, then you need to fix that because when you're not comfortable, what will happen is at the point that you're attempting to play the shot, you will find that you'll naturally then go into a comfortable position, which could in fact be um, not the best position to be in. So find a comfortable, comfortable way of standing, stand upright. The other most important thing is about our head position as part of our balance and as part of that balanced stance, making sure that your head is turned around and you are literally, your whole face is facing back down the pitch. Having your head side on and looking more or less around the corner or around the corner of your uh, your front shoulder, that's putting you in a situation where you're really not looking at the ball coming to you with your eyes level. <laughs> the Probably the best way I can describe that and a good little activity that you could try and do is to, if you were to write on a whiteboard and attempt to write your name in a straight line, turning your head side on to the board, which you wouldn't do. So it's a case of making sure that your eyes are level. I will often talk to junior players about the fact that if I was to get um, uh, builders level 
and I was to rest that on their grill as they're facing the bowler, I would expect that the bubble would be right in the middle of those two lines. And that's a good way of thinking about it in terms of, well, would I be absolutely level? If you find that you can get into that really good balanced position with your feet, whether it's an open stance or whether it's a closed stance, then you're going to find that just in the way that you present to the ball as it's delivered, that you're going to feel a little bit more confident about playing the shot. But more importantly, the decision that you make of which shot to play. So that's really, really important. Of course, if you would like more information on on what I'm talking about today as far as a balanced stance, by all means, see me at the nets, have a chat to me, and just bring up what did you mean about a balanced stance, and I'd be happy to take you through it, as I will be looking very much at the way that batsmen are standing this year in the way that they're preparing to face the ball. Still down at the nets and it's still raining, so there's not much training going on for the um, for the non-restricted group of players that are only down here. For those that might be listening, aka authorities. Uh, so we're just sitting down here and we're looking at these nets and wishing that we could be training. So I'm here with DK, and we've got our usual weekly update of what's going on as far as apparel, what's going on as membership what's going on as far as sponsorship and what's going on as social functions. Good to have you again, DK. Good to be here, Piz. So where are we at in short with, excuse the pun, where are we at in short with apparel? Apparel, um, once we get back into the swing of things, um, I'll be looking to speak to anyone that is uh, is interested in potentially getting um, either a jacket, maybe a hoodie, some shorts, um, obviously, some cricket bags or helmets are also available. Um, they are arriving in, in different times, but whoever is keen to grab on uh, on some new apparel, we can get that form going, um, get the invoices done, and look to get that as quickly as possible. We do have um, a process in place um, to look to get some new playing tops. That's just pending on whether when we can go and see new sponsors. Beautiful. <clears throat> and again, just to remind people that if you go onto Slack, you'll be able to see that there is a, a form there that you can uh, read into and take with you in approaching player sponsors. That is going to be a big part of this season. I would suggest players that are thinking about doing that, if you don't already have an immediate contact, someone that you can speak to that would be interested in doing so, please consider some of the small businesses in Sunbury. They are struggling at the moment. I would think that they would be more than keen to put across a small, say, I think it's a $200, isn't it? Or one? $250. It's $250. $250. And I would think, I think you would find, I think you would be pleasantly surprised that um, if you put across to them the fact of what type of exposure we can give to them at the club, namely... On game day, we can give them some signage. At training, we can give them some signage. Certainly, any sponsors this year, once we've got them really on board, are certainly going to become a focus 
and I will be talking about them on the podcast for certain. That will just be an absolute certainty. So there's a lot of things that we can offer to them this year, so it's really, really important. DK, social functions. Have we got anything coming up? I know that there was talk about something to do with Melbourne Cup. Yeah, so in the next day or two, we might uh, try and get together with Bert and uh, potentially Shane and Keegs and have a chat, um, try and jump on to, I guess, the, the vibes that are up and about around Sunbury and probably Metro Melbourne at the moment um, and look to see if we can get a sweep going for um, the Melbourne Cup coming up on Tuesday. We can publicise, and we will publicise that on Slack. We'll get that out to our members, so that'll be really important. Uh, the other thing that we need to talk about, DK, uh, is our membership and registration. Um, it's really, really important at this time that players are getting on and getting registered. I, I will say this from a captain and coach's perspective that due to the scenario, we it is great that we've got commitment from, I think, 57 players, perhaps a couple more at this point in time. We do need to start seeing... Uh, some money coming in for registration. Unfortunately, I'm I'm in a situation where, as a coach, I'm really only going to be able to pick players that have have paid that that first, let's say, hundred dollars to the club. Um, it's been something that we've discussed over the last couple of years about only picking players that are financial. It's an opportunity for us to probably to to have that system in place. Um, I realise that I realise that some people are facing financial difficulty, and certainly can speak to the club about any kinds of plans that we can come up to assist you with that. But at the same time, as a club, we do need to operate. There are costs involved with being a club, and that if you are committed to playing cricket, that you would realise obviously that there are, that you you don't play for free. So. As much as it might seem harsh that we're asking you and saying that we're not going to pick you unless you've paid, I think that most people also realise that you don't play for free at the club. So it's important to understand that. Please get your $100 in at very least, and then you can worry about the balance of that um, over the course of the year. If you're having any issues with that, please come and speak to the club. It's only too happy to assist you with that. Have we got anything else that we needed to cover DK at this point in time? Uh, I guess in terms of those registrations, it's also important for insurance um, in case anything goes wrong as well. So we're just covering um, all ends for that. We're looking, we will implement a social membership this year, um, which will provide opportunities for people to um, potentially have cheaper drinks or maybe cheaper meals for functions when we've got meals uh, and give them some really good access to social events as well. So that'll be uh, that'll be advertised in the coming weeks. Um, we'd really love to try and get plenty of people that may not be um, there to play cricket still down and supporting the club. Um, and we will be looking to implement our Coterie group this season, which has been a huge amount of work behind the scenes. Um, the vision and mission for the Coterie Group is just about ready and it's something we're really excited about uh, moving forward as a club. And for those of you that don't understand what a Coterie Group is, a Coterie Group is is basically, it is a group of supporters. They are players, they can be players, sponsors, non-players, parents, family members. It's generally speaking, it's a supporters group that is made up of anyone, mums, dads, aunts, uncles, 
that support the club and support the club financially with with a with a membership of sorts. Obviously, this being the first year, we will be doing a lot of planning to make sure that we establish the Coterie Group and that that moves forward. Part of that can include uh, from other clubs that I've been at, uh, social function days that are, um, are basically just there for the Coterie Group. Um, we, there's also the possibility of down the track of uh, shirts, ties. That, I mean, uh, most Coterie Groups you'll find have some form of set of apparel that sets them apart and that identifies them as being true supporters of the club in terms of being part of that coterie group. So that is certainly something that we need to we need to be keeping an eye out and I'm certain there'll be a channel on Slack that will be just simply for that coterie group once we get it up and started and I would expect that that's going to get started in the next couple of weeks to coincide with um, the start of the season. Absolutely. All good. DK, thanks again, mate. Uh, we were a little bit quicker this week than we were last week. We didn't quite get to the 13, 14 or 15 minutes that we were last week, but that's okay. Um, and a couple of the other blokes I've spoken to as well were pretty good. So um, continue on with this. And um, again, hopefully we're, uh, as I've just said to DK before, that hopefully we've got a season to start with. So thanks again, DK. Thanks, Pierce. So it's time again for our Riddle Me This and then we'll move into the dad's jokes, of course. Um, at this stage, at this stage, I trust that we're finding humour in me, the comic. Um, I'm certain that you'll be all relieved that we'll, whilst we'll still have the dad jokes in the future, that we'll be able to find a little bit more humour coming from maybe some stories that come from Saturdays of Cricket and some reports that come from some of our captains. So, but we don't have that just at the moment, so you're just going to have to make do with what I can supply. So last week's was, I speak without a mouth and I hear without ears. I have no body, but I come alive with wind. What am I? And I was, of course, an echo. Nobody gave an answer to that. Great to see we're participating in that one. So let's give it a second try and see how we go. So this one, this week's one is, you measure my life in hours and I serve you by expiring. I'm quick when I'm thin and slow when I'm fat. The wind is my enemy. Have a think about what you might be. Interesting one. Let's see if we can get that one. So, of course, it's time for just a few jokes um, or just a few observations, maybe. I thought I saw a spider on my laptop the other day, but my friend said it was just a bug. Why don't cannibals eat clowns? Because they taste funny.
A bartender broke up with her boyfriend, but he kept asking her for another shot. I told a friend of mine she drew her eyebrows too high. She seemed surprised. How do mountains see? They peak. Well, I for one like Roman numerals. And my phone has to wear glasses ever since it lost its contacts.